Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. prepare your heart for the message I don't know what does we praise the Lord that you are all here Um, I was recently in a trip to Israel and in that trip I was able to take a big bottle of Jordan River water and bring it back home and in that and after a few hours of taking a little vial dropper and putting them into little jars I have about four or five hundred little jars that I use to hand out in witnessing If there's anyone here today that would like one of those little jars of water, you got to let me know. You got to stay around, (laughs) right? And uh, because I got to get into my office, I had to get them and then get back out downstairs. uh, So stick around. I'll get one of those into your hands. All right. David's back from Florida. I got a pile of receipts for him. He's going to be happy. He's our treasurer. I said, you better get up and pray right away because you're not going (laughs) to like what you're going to see coming in. And he read scripture. I'm going to ask you to turn there again to Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. If you have your Bible, please open it and read along. Because uh, there's something about when the Word of God goes through the, the eye orifice, it gets into the heart a little deeper than just hearing it. So uh, if you have one, uh, open that Bible up. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. I also, that's part of my ministry, I, I have a lot of... Uh, good Bibles that I pick up along the way, brand new ones. They're leather bound. And if anybody uh, is thinking about getting a new Bible, I have one that, that I would like to uh, offer you. If, uh, if you're interested, uh, you just got to let me know. It's all different types that I have. So I pray. I'm, I'm glad our visitors are here. I'm thinking of Jillian and Donovan right now. Uh, that's my, that's, uh, my niece, niece's kids are here and Tara Crasco and uh, there's so many other ones that are here visiting with us. I'm just grateful that you're all here uh, today to hear the Word of God. Let me just read through it one more time. It's good to rehearse it because it gets into our memory a little better. He says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That's going to be a part of the message. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him? Father, Lord, you know I can't do anything from this pulpit. It's only you that has to get the job done. I trust, Lord, you'll work your way into the hearts that people are here You'll give them hope and help in this time of need. But also, Lord, set me aside. May you be elevated, lifted up here today so that God would get all the glory and some good would come out of it for us. And we'll just thank you for all this in Jesus' name. I love the Word of God. Um, I'm a Bible fanatic, uh, King James, by the way. And I hold the Bible uh, in my hand often. I carry it with me wherever I go. Uh, I have several Bibles that I preach out of, and I have several probably more that I have just to look at because they're nice leather Bibles. I pick them up and smell them once in a while. You know, it makes, just makes me all excited to, to have it and to know that the Word of God, I have that. 
I want to tell you this also. This is our 37th anniversary, but this church loves the Word of God. And that really blesses my heart when I came here. This Bible that I hold here, that you hold, was written, preserved by God to every generation to bring us back to God and then keep us with God, sparing us from all of the coming sinful consequences that, uh, that come our way because we don't listen to God. But every day, each of us is getting closer to the end of our lives. I hope you understand that. And every day now, if you look around in the world, we are all getting closer to the end of the world. There is no doubt about that. If you're reading scripture, if you have to read it like I do, and I'm in it all the time, we're seeing prophecy come true more now than any other time in all of history. Uh, we're seeing things come true that could not have come true until this very day. So the Bible's our final authority for life and living. It is a sole authority uh, for faith and practice, but it is our one authority, absolute authority for truth. Because the world is full of lies out there. How many say amen to that? Amen. It's hard to know who to believe anymore. So the Bible is the eternal truth given to us uh, as a temporary world just falls apart because it's full of lies and desperation. So this is our 37th anniversary. Everything in this church revolves around this Bible. And we intend to keep it that way for the next hundred years if the Lord so tarry. Uh, but we want to keep that Bible in the forefront of our eyes until Jesus comes, even while this world around us implodes. And you can see that right now, no matter where you look, things are falling apart, morally, spiritually, everything. So I want to give you some of my concerns because I'm deeply saddened about some things I'm seeing right now before I give you the message uh, concerning the Bible and professing Christians who say they believe the Bible. Uh, first thing is this, I'm concerned about how many professing Christians today are now renouncing their faith. I didn't think I'd ever see that in my lifetime, but they are. It's very concerning to me about how gullible this present generation is to the woke ideology that's out there. Even though the Bible says God will never change, they are now believing God is changing or God has changed in his way of thinking, in the way, in the way he addresses sin, or what he even calls sin. So they have become so desensitized today to, the, uh, to sin and the corrupt, perverted behavior that is plaguing our nation. Christians, of all people, are now renouncing the Bible by agreeing with these sinful, perverted lifestyles. It scares me. Many Christians are accepting and sins or accommodating sins, and yes, even applauding sinful behavior now, calling it normal, thinking God is no longer going to condemn it, and has changed his mind about choosing uh, and now choosing to commend them for it. Nothing could be further from the truth because he says he changes not. The same God that uh, 4,000, 6,000 years ago, 6,000 created the worlds. Listen, it's the same God we serve here today. Secondly, I'm concerned about how many professing Christians are removing, or excuse me, remaining in a religion or a church or following a man or a doctrine they know is not biblical and it's not beneficial to their eternal welfare and they still support it when they uh, when they know deep down inside they should not be a part of it it's amazing how many preachers out there are not preaching against sin anymore they're not preaching ab about hell anymore it's all this prosperity love gospel so and thirdly, I'm concerned about how many professing Christians are rejecting the old Bible. Uh, the old ways. 
And, and, and the, the ways that brought them to Jesus, started them out in their walk with Jesus, but now they feel they have found a better way or a better Bible or a better method or a better path to follow. And lastly, I'm concerned about this. How many professing Christians are refusing to believe God can still do the great and mighty things he's always done? You know, I, I come across with all of these concerns, but I want to, I want to remind you all that we serve a great God and he's still on the throne and he can still turn this thing around. Right? He can still turn it upside down for himself. So referring to his coming return, Jesus said this, when I return, he said, will I find faith on earth? Isn't that an amazing statement? Well, I tell you, the ways the things are changing now at an alarming rate, I'm now asking that same question. If it tarries, if he tarries much longer, will he find people faithful to his word here on earth? Uh, will there be any genuine believers walking by faith when Jesus comes? Well, we know from the word of God there will be, but boy, I'll tell you, when you see how many are falling by the wayside, it's, it does scare me. The way believers are falling away from the truth, is, it, it makes you wonder. So Jesus said, some of the seeds that fall upon rocks in uh, Luke 8, 13, he said they, uh, they're, they're received with joy, but never take root. And what happens in, in the time of temptation, right, the world draws on them and then they fall away. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. So the Bible tells us there is going to be falling away of believers. At least they're professing believers. I don't think they're possessing, possessing Christ, though. So how many of you knew, how many of you know Steve Harvey? Right? Yeah, pretty, pretty popular, famous guy, right? Uh, now a family feud fame. I can't even say that right. Family feud fame. All right. He claims to be a Christian. And now he has joined the ranks of Oprah Winfrey and many others who now say there's no one way to heaven. There has to be multiple ways into heaven. In fact, he even named one of his kids a Muslim name. If there had been another way, listen everybody, to get to heaven other than Jesus Christ dying on that cross, he would not have to come. He would not have had to come because we would have had a way to get back on our own. And because of biblical heresies like this, being taught like this, the world is now believing God could not be so inclusive and so insensitive and so intolerant as to not include others, other ways to come to him other than Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm talking about? Does it alarm you? It should. There are three verses that knock that, I, I call them their knockout punches, to that type of believe, belief, right? If the Bible is God's written word to us, and it is, and it proclaims itself as the only book given by God, and it is, and it is, and then they're all in very serious trouble right now unless they get back to the word of God and understand what he said. Let me just give you these three knockout punches. Number one, John 14, 6. Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12, Peter, who would often stick his foot in his mouth, got it right this time. 
He said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then Paul, he knocks it out of the part in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. He said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man and the man, Christ Jesus, God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Do you get it? There's only one way in because there's only one Savior. So the Bible is all about Jesus, who he is, how he would come, when he would come, where he would come, and most importantly, why he would come. The Bible is all about Jesus Christ. The Bible shows us how not to miss him when he does come and his salvation. You don't want to miss his salvation. You don't want to leave here missing the greatest invitation ever given by God to man. You don't want to miss it. The Bible is a book that opens the blind eyes to spiritual understanding. Those who reject it, resent it, or ignore it, or mock it will one day regret it. But those who accept it, and the ones who, uh, especially the one who wrote it, Jesus Christ, will reply, uh, will rely and reply to his words by faith, and one day receive uh, all, all of its rewards promised uh, to you. Uh, by the one and only Jesus Christ. That's the truth. So many will never see the benefit of the Bible or of Jesus Christ or the blessings that come from it because they miss it. They let it slip by them. And I don't want anybody in this sanctuary today or within my voice on social media to let this slip by them. Uh, they will try to live their lives without him um, and, and try, to, try to do the right thing in life and let it just slip away from them like the last breath they'll take when they slip away into death. So my friends, we're going to continue to do everything we can here at Lighthouse Baptist to not let that happen to anyone. The gospel is always going to be given here and people are always going to, going to give an opportunity to receive. So I want you to look at verse 1 for a minute. And uh, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. One of the main reasons Lighthouse Baptist has survived here for 37 years is an ever-changing spiritual, uh, in an ever-changing spiritual environment, is its unfailing commitment to this book. Those who are saved know they are saved because of this book. And uh, so this book is very important to us. But it says there in verse 1, we have given earnest heed to the word of God and have tried not to let one word or, or of it slip away for the t uh, sake of convenience or comfort. comfort. Sometimes it, you can just, uh, the easy believism, you know, warm and comfort and the heart. You know, a lot of people just want to feel good about everything. But listen, we, you can't feel good about sin. You can't feel good about separation from God. You can't feel good about hell. Earnest heed means we have given strict attention to and paid close attention to the truths found in God's word. Why? In order to escape the consequences of our sin and all the things that will happen to us uh, when we don't obey and follow and trust him. So in other words, we have paid close attention to the word of God as to not let anything or anyone slip by us or cause us to slip up. 
you know, I don't want this church to slip up. Many have. Pastors that have slipped, slipped up, churches that have slipped up, uh, pastors are now out of ministry, churches that have now closed their doors. We have committed ourselves here to making sure these truths found in the Word of God do not slip away. From the young believers or cause a believer to even slip away or fall from the faith. The Bible declares we should be horribly afraid right now. Horribly afraid. Um, let, me, let me explain that statement. Right now, we're more afraid of nuclear war, inflation, global warming, pandemics, losing our rights than we are of God and of the consequences of our sin. So that's because we are repeating history just like the Hebrews in, in, the, in Exodus. We have changed our gods to fit the God that we want and it's not the God that we serve anymore. I call it golden calf Christianity. We should be ashamed of ourselves for the way we have disrespected God in his word. We should be horribly afraid of God and the consequences we will have to face because he has to judge us according to righteousness. Listen to Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. This is where I got this. And I'll give you a time to get there if you want to get there. But this is what it says, Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. It sounds just like today. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their, their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, all ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn, out them, their own, uh, they've hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that will hold no water. None of these lies that are being taught out there right now is going to hold water. When they stand before Jesus Christ as their judge, listen to some of these predictions the Bible gives us about the end times. It says this, and by the way, if these don't paint a really clear picture for you and what's happening right now in America, you had better re-examine your own faith because they should be horribly frightening to us. Listen to this. His disciple came to Jesus privately on the Mount of Olives and asked him, Tell us, what shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of my coming of the end of the world? And Jesus answered him and said this, Take heed, and, or be aware, that no man deceives you, so that we know the world is going to be full of deception. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or, or I'm the prophet who has the answers, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars. Ukraine. Rumors of wars. China. And there shall be famines. Somalia. South Sudan. Horn of Africa. Central African Republican. Yemen. Haiti. Syria. And Afghanistan to name a few. In fact, there is now over a billion people on the brink of starvation in the world right now. Never before in human history has it, been got, has it gotten so bad with so many people. Jesus went on to say pestilences, COVID. I'm talking worldwide things here. Earthquakes in diverse places. Turkey. Uh, there, there are 55 earthquakes a day around the world, more now than ever before in history. All these are just the beginning, Jesus said, of sorrows. You know what that means? That means we're just getting started. 
and it's going to be get it's going to get pretty nasty very quickly as it gets a lot worse so in first timothy 4 1 paul said this now the spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils i hope none of you watched the grammy awards the other night I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I hope you didn't watch the Grammy Awards. I did not watch the Grammy Awards, but it's all over the news what happened on the Grammy Awards. They, it was a multi-million dollar Hollywood production glorifying Satan. And guess what? It was all sponsored by Pfizer. Does that scare you a little bit? Listen, Pfizer is one of the world's largest bio pharmaceutical companies that has made billions of dollars off these COVID shots. And now they're being scrutinized. Why? Because the CDC even thinks these shots were not what they were boasted up to be. Isn't that amazing? In fact, in fact, they seem to be causing, these boosters seem to be causing more harm than they do good. Now, I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying that, I'm not a, you know, this theorist, you know, guy there, I'm just saying, this is what's in the news right now, in the mainline news right now in the world. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they, how they that told you there should be mockers in the last time, June 17 and 18, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Do you realize mocking God in the Bible is at an all-time high right now, especially in Hollywood? It doesn't seem to bother anyone anymore, though. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. Paul's words, listen to this. This it always gets me. Paul's words, nearly 2,000 years ago, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, could be the local headlines in the lo local newspapers today. Literally, you could take them right off the Bible and put it on the headlines. Listen to what it says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That means lifestyles driven by lust and sexual perversions, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. It means no discipline or self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, Heady, that means reckless and careless. High-minded, that means prideful and selfish. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know what he tells uh, Tim? He says, from such, turn away. Get away from that stuff. It will draw you in. And pretty soon you'll be agreeing with them. You'll be accommodating it. And then you'll be applauding it eventually. I was so glad... I I'm just so glad I'm saved. That's all there is to it. I, I have been saved for 37 years, and that's a long time. And my salvation is still as real to me as it was the very first day that I gave my life to Christ and received him in 1986. It's still great to me. It was the greatest gift I ever received and the smartest decision I ever made. So listen, I don't have much to offer all of you today. I really don't, but I do have one great salvation to offer you in Jesus Christ. And that's, if that's all I can offer the rest of my life till I die, I'm happy. What makes salvation so great? What makes your salvation so great? Well, it certainly is not because you'll escape all these things like I just mentioned, like wars and 
and famines and deceivers, earthquakes, sufferings, abuse, and, or immoral and illicit lifestyles and behaviors, or pestilences. You know, gratefully, I am a survivor of COVID, what they call long COVID. Last year, I went through seven months of misery, coming to church with a happy face and dying when I go home, thinking that God was going to take my life. I just really didn't think I was going to make it through it. Seven months, every day, getting up, struggling to get through the day. Uh, and I'm a survivor. And I tell you the truth, I'm not the same man I was. And I don't think I ever will be. I, I've been told I may never get back to the point where I was um, a year ago. I was sure I was going to die for it. And I have to deal with the residuals of that pestilence, COVID, for the rest of my life. Every single day. It's a daily pest. And I just can't get rid of it. But in my stamina, my strength is nowhere what it uh, was last year. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel to look forward to. But listen, everyone, my salvation is still great. It is still great as it was when I first got it and getting greater every single day. As this body perishes, uh, my spirit's getting stronger every single day. Listen, it is certainly great because of the one who holds it, right? Jesus Christ and what he had to do to give it to us. Because of my belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of G Jesus Christ for my sin and receiving him as my Savior, I know absolutely for sure uh, where I'm headed and when I die, and I'm looking forward to heaven one day uh, when I get there. Uh, when, and we're all going uh, to stand before Jesus one day. So I want that for all of you. I want you to know you're saved. I want you to know how great salvation is. But what I'm talking about here is not about who holds salvation, Jesus Christ. I'm talking about why salvation, the salvation of Jesus Christ that he offers you is so great. So I'm going to give you a few things. You're going to go just a little bit past 12, but bear with me, okay? Because there may be somebody in here who doesn't know they're saved, doesn't know 100% for sure that if they had died today, they'd be in heaven. And, and, uh, and listen, we don't have any guarantee of living another day. So this might be your last opportunity to hear this. But why is it so great? Number one, listen very carefully, because we couldn't do anything to receive it. Nothing. Nada. Listen to how Paul reminds us of this in Titus, of this truth, knowing Titus was going to face some rough opposition in the ministry. He says in Titus 3, 3 through 7, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Anybody in here that was never foolish in their life? Disobedient. Anybody ever talk back to your parents in your life? Serving diverse lust, pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, listen, not by works of righteousness which he have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. We couldn't do anything to receive it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't negotiate for it with God. You can't will it in like Norman Vincent Peale with Norman Vincent Peale with the positive thinking, you know. I'll just I'm a pretty good communicator. I'll just tell God how you know, he'll let me in. No, he won't. Not unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You can't buy your offer. You can't buy it with your offerings. You you can't will it in with positive things. Nothing you do is enough to acquire it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nobody in heaven boasting how they got there. The only one they're boasting on is Jesus Christ who brought them there. You'd have to be perfectly righteous without a single flaw to enter into heaven. Anybody in this sanctuary perfectly righteous? Anybody within this camera perfectly righteous? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law because you can't keep the law to its fullest potential. Galatians 2.16. We're all liars. We're all thieves by, according to the law. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, nor by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Listen, we couldn't do, we couldn't do anything to achieve it, but we do have to receive it in order to escape the penalty of our sins in order to get into heaven. For all have sinned, the Bible says, come short of the glory of God. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, but we are as all an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All we like, like sheep, it says, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isn't that the world right now? Well, that's you too. If you haven't got Christ, we couldn't do anything to receive it. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. We can't do anything to lose it. Oh, I wish we would learn this. There's a lot of teaching out there right now that says you can choose to lose. You can't choose to lose your salvation once you have it. It's not yours to lose. Once he takes us in, he keeps us in. It's his salvation. Jesus never gave it to us because he couldn't trust us with it. Does that make sense to everybody? He just couldn't trust us because, I, hey, listen, if I was to keep myself saved, I would have lost it yesterday. I was pretty upset with that storm. <laughs> you know what it says in Psalm 3:8? Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, it's his. Thy blessing is upon thy people. The blessing is ours. Salvation is his. So it belongs to him, but it becomes a blessing to us who belong to him. So once we're in, he holds us in, and thank God he does, because I would never be able to keep myself saved. It says in Psalm 13, 5, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. It's in, it's in him. My faith is in his faithfulness to keep me saved. You know, John 6, 37 through 40, Jesus said this, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing and should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, I hope you see him today, and believeth on him, and I hope you believeth on him today, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up the last day. Listen, if you could lose your salvation, Jesus failed 
at what he just said. When you're saved, you become his child. You may be a bad child, yeah, yeah, we can do that. But you're still his child. Because you're his child by his choice. And he does not forsake his children. We can't do anything to lose it, but we do need to receive it in order to have it. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even then that believe on his name. My friends, listen, the works of salvation is all God's doing. Salvation is not yours to lose. It's just yours simply to have if you'll receive it. Jesus never gave salvation to us to do with it what we want. He receives you into his fold to do with us what he wants. So we didn't do anything to receive it. We can't do anything to lose it. Thirdly, why is salvation so great? We won't ever see the end of it. What a blessing, huh? Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heaven sh heavens shall vanish away like smoke, the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall be not be abolished. That's Isaiah 51.6. Listen to Peter again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Can you imagine that? I got an inheritance coming. If you know Jesus Christ, so do you. That is incorruptible and undefiled. That fadeth not away. And it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Who are kept by the power of God. Say it with me. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen, we're never going to see the end of it. Amen? Never, but we do need to receive it in order to experience it and enjoy it forever. You all know when you see somebody come to Christ and receive it because he moves into their hearts and they're a changed person. And you're thinking, what happened to him? What happened to her? They got saved. God now lives there, dwells there, right within our heart. So why is salvation so great? We couldn't do anything to receive it. We can't do anything to lose it. We won't ever see the end of it. And lastly, we haven't a single excuse to miss it. We haven't a single excuse to miss it. Whosoever wants salvation can have salvation because God said so. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That whosoever is you. Just put your name there. How should we escape without salvation? We won't escape without salvation. The truth is we can't escape. We can't escape the wrath of God against our sin. But, and tragically, listen to me, many can let it slip by them and miss it because of their unbelief. Many can just let it slip right by them. That's what it says here. How could we neglect our own souls when we know the way to be saved? How could you walk out of this sanctuary today after hearing this message 
and neglect your own soul when you know how to be saved. Because I'm going to share with you how. Just, I mean, you know already from what I've already told you. Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says, listen, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Now listen to the next part of it. And many there be which go in thereat. Do you hear that word, many? Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And listen, few there be that find it. Do you know what the sad truth about salvation is? Salvation has been missed by more than have found it. It's been missed by more than have found it. Will you miss it? Will you let it slip by you? You hold within your hands your eternal life here this morning. That decision is yours. I pray that you don't lose it or let it slip by you. It would be the most worst mistake you could ever make today. You know why? Because today is the day of your salvation. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, Titus puts it this way. For the grace of God hath, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Nobody's got an excuse. You can all have heaven. You can all have Christ. Has his grace appeared to you this morning? Does it all make sense to you now like it never did before? Is there a pit right now in their stomach because you know you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven? Because you can change that today. Because today is your day of your salvation. Is there anyone who wants to be saved today? This would be a great day to do it. To receive a great Savior and a great salvation. So let's all bow our heads for a minute as we close the service. If there's anyone here today who wants to be saved, listen. First, you've got to admit, you've got to be honest with yourself and with God and the Jesus that you're a sinner with no way to save yourself. There's just no way to do it. You cannot be fully righteous enough. Your sin debt that must be paid is eternal death separated from God in hell. Now you can pay that debt yourself and head to hell or you can let Christ pay that debt for you, which he already did. Secondly, you need to acknowledge that Jesus paid for your sin debt. And he died in your place on Calvary's cross, rose from the dead to save you from hell and from God's wrath. Right? And give you an eternal life with him, both now, starting right now, today, and forever. And finally, accept Jesus by faith and the free gift of eternal life that he offers you. Just repent. In other words, repent means change your mind about things. Turn from your sin and ask him to save you. Turn from your unbelief and believe on him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you ready to call and settle up with God today? If you will sincerely pray now for Jesus to save you from your sin and be willing to receive him as your Savior, you can be safe and secure in his hands forever starting this very moment. 
I promise you, listen, if you'll do that, if you'll repent of your unbelief and call out to him for salvation, he will remove all the doubts almost immediately, and you'll know you're saved. The call, listen to me, the call or the prayer doesn't save you, but it's a way of saying yes to Jesus. It's a way of just saying yes to Jesus. Call out to Jesus right now with a simple prayer and say yes. Just say yes, Jesus, I agree with you. Yes, Jesus, I know I have sinned against you. Yes, Jesus, I know that I need you and your salvation to escape this penalty I've brought on myself because of my sin. Yes, Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, save me. And he will. And then just tell him, thank you. By the raised hand, did anyone just say that prayer with sincerity? And ask Jesus to save them. Is anyone here? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Is there anybody by the raised hand would say, I just gave my life to Jesus? I've been struggling with this issue for a while. Nobody's looking around, every head bowed. I just want to know. Anybody here? Just by the raised hand. That's all. I'm the only one that's going to know, except for Jesus. And if you did and you're afraid to raise your hand, or if you're still not sure, I want to pray for you and give you something to help you but I need to know who you are so I can help you. So if you just got saved or you're thinking about it, just don't walk out if you're pleased without talking to me. Make your way to the front, and I'll greet you with open arms just like Jesus would if you receive him as your Savior, just like he has done with all of us who are saved. And your life will absolutely change forever. I can promise you that because the Word of God promises that. Mike, I'll let you take it over from here. Let's stand. You know the invitation. It's been given. Believer, you need to, if God has spoken to your heart, this message, come. Come forward. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.